Hello and welcome to episode number one of the origins of Kol Nidre and Ataras Nadarim with Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brat. This episode has been generously sponsored by an anonymous donor in memory of his grandfather, Avraham Ben Tzvi Hirsch. The learning and all the knowledge should be an Eloi for his neshama. To sponsor future episodes, please reach out at thwaidm at ou.org, S-C-H-W-E-D-M at ou.org. Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt. We are here for this long-awaited recording episode on the origins of Kol Nidre and Ataras Tadarim. We're going to do this in two parts. This is part one. We don't want to keep the people here for too long. As Rabbi Brett likes to say, we have Rahmanis on the audience. So we're going to break this up into two parts. And we're going to, as we usually do, go through the history. Where was Ataras Tadarim and Kol Nidre found or founded? Where are they found in the Svarim for the first time? How are they discussed and referred to in the Sifri Halacha from the Rishonim straight through until today. Plus, we'll discuss some other controversies and some other exciting information. Rabbi Brat, how are you today? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so jump right in. Okay, so by the way, by by way of a brief introduction to a brief introduction to the episode that we're about to begin, I want to go back a little bit. As people ask, and sometimes people don't realize, I want to give explain these presentations in old Af in general, and specifically today's, um, about what we plan on doing in the next two episodes about Ataris Nadaram and mostly about Kal Nidre. Basically, is the, when one gives it, an introduction is necessary, because a lot of times you need a context to understand what's being done. The backstory of these episodes that we've been doing already for quite some time now is that Rabbi Moshe Shwede, who does an excellent job running all Daf, all Mishnah, Parsha, and Yushalmi, was and is still always brainstorming how to make more tools, shiurim out there for and shiurim for out there for people to help with their learning. He was, he's always seeking for different kinds of Torah content. Some people somehow gave him my name, no idea why, but while talking about it with me, an idea was formed to find topics related to the Gemara that people would find of interest. The first idea that we came up together was, in the middle, the Dafiyami at that time was holding in the middle of Psachim, was to deal with some of the controversies to the Masechta. We chose, the topic was Machine Matzah Controversy, which we divided into seven parts. At the time, a lot of energy was spent to make fancy videos, but life is about learning, and we realized to do it through a more Hamish format, these are not attempts to be professional talks with source sheets and marmakaimus and everything, but rather for me to babble, and he asks some questions and, and sometimes catches me off guard. It's an interview of sorts, what's become known a lot of times as podcasts eventually. Anyway, the first idea was to prevent to present randomly some of the materials out there on the Masechta. Eventually, it sort of developed into a whole presentation of how a particular Masechta is learned via the ages with tidbits about the authors. And we've been, as of today, we've done over 12 such episodes, including three parts on Merikadim. We also have done some episodes about specific Akhrainim. Some have not yet even been released. To be clear, although these are time-consuming to put together, no one has funded almost any of them. It's hosted on the OU site. Originally, the video and audio was poor quality. 
thanks to the effort of Usher Tesser, who deals with all the complicated technical aspects of these presentations, the sound and video was fixed. The important technical aspects is funded by the OU, and proper thanks must be noted. Also, the time-consuming of Rabbi Schwade and Usher involves with the recording. They have to listen. They have to be involved with it. Now, then, fast forward, uh, almost, it's almost, it's getting close to a year, Reb Chaim Kanievsky was nifter. So right away, immediately in the middle of the shiva, we, we, I was talking with Rabbi Shwede, and we decided we're going to devote some discussion to some of the svarim, to everyone else is talking about Rabbi Chaim, we might as well join in. We did 10 episodes without being funded by anyone. Luckily, to continue with those, with those episodes, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, season two, was we found a funder who's funding it graciously as each episode is. Eventually, I added on a few more topics, which we've done, such as the Haggadah Shal Pesach, Lidavid, Hanukkah mission. And when we, so basically, when we're asking for sponsorship, it means it's to help to continue these kinds of episodes because no one is really paying for them. One, some, let's say, three, four of the episodes altogether were sponsored. Now, specifically from Sechta of Dafyemi of Nedarim, what was my idea? I mentioned this to Rav Shwed all the way in the beginning, is to talk about Hataris Nedarim, Kal Nidre, um, throughout the ages. And that's where we find ourselves today. And I collected some material on it, but I never learned through it properly on Masachnas because I never really learned Masachnas Nadarim properly. But I never went through the sugya of Kal Nidra, where it comes from at all. All this is brand new stuff that I just came up with in the past uh, literally week or two. Ideally, this topic is perfect to put all the yad that one gets when learning Dafyaymi by making it practical, as all the information plays out that you learned, all the Gemaras comes out and understanding the issues. But due to my abilities and time limitations, it's beyond the scope of the presentation of today and, and the next one to present the complete story. I want to just share some of the interesting parts of the story as it developed throughout the ages. While preparing it, I realized that I fell into yet another rabbit hole, which I was hoping would not happen. The document, the whole story would take me well over 10 hours, but it's a work in progress, which I hope to present in a, cl- in a clear written form in the near future. I apologize that not everything is crystal clear and perfect as a professional speech. This is just a Hamish talk with just two people having a conversation. It happens to be recorded. I want to mention some of the sources of the origins. And as I mentioned also in a previous episode, the origins of Tefillah is a worthwhile subject which has not been done properly. It helps, if done properly, it can help one connect and understand the Tefillahs. I believe this particular Tefillah of Kalnidre has the most ink spilled on it in prime sources, as it's ancient and even generated much controversy over the years. Part of it has to do with the core lumdus, the mechanism, how it works, and with, spe- with specific sugis in the Dharam, and other aspects. I'm, pref- I'm particularly fond of his new discoveries when they come to light and how to apply them, especially in this case. One of the people that I'm going to that that helped me in learning about the Sugya Kalnidre, he begins his article. This is a Naftali Vider. He says, "Ein l'chabaya litur." Liturgists that um, did not get so much hisnagdut over the years, like this Aramaic prayer called Nidre. It got it was attacked from in Bavel. Gainim were very against it. Karoyim were very against it. Um, um, later on, Bali Halacha struggled to, dis- to all different halachic aspects to describe it. Eventually, the the anti Semites, Christians, and Meshumadim attacked this tefillah throughout the centuries, and eventually even in the reform movement, it also came up again to discuss this tefillah and to attempt to abolish it. Anyway, many years ago, I heard an important point from my Rav at the time, Rabbi Yisrael Reisen, 
that he said, the Chassam Sefer was asked, how was he able to paskin and write tshuva so fast? He said, when he would learn a Gemara, he would automatically try to think of any hypothetical case that someone will possibly ask him, learn the Gemara. This is a great topic to experiment with. When one learns in Dharam, keep all this in mind um, of what what we're saying every year when we do, when we say Kal Nidre and, and also Hatars and Dharam Shoshana. Yeah. Recently, I just came across a tshuva from the Chavis Yar where someone asked him a, a Hilchus Nadaram Shaila. So instead of just answering the Shaila, he ends up going, uh, we have an excuse to talk about Nadaram and he just has pages and pages dealing with all different hazards in Nadaram and then he goes back to answer the guy at the end. Now, we're focusing, getting back to our main story, which is the Kal Nidre. Lamashal, there's a Lamdasha, there's an amazing Lamdasha Sefer, Yad Melech, which perhaps one day we'll devote an episode to who he was. But the Yad Melech and his work on Rambam and Hilchas Yom Kippur, he has a whole special conscious dealing with the Lamdasha aspects of this tefillah. So if one wants to try out their Lamdas, but they picked up over learning of learning the Masechta, they're more than welcome there. With Shlema Zalman Orbach, the great Paisik, who in his in he has spent a lot of time trying to understand the halachic how halachically all of these things in Kol Nidre work and also the tefillah in um, Hatars Nadarim how it works based on Masechnas Nadarim. He had, recent in recent years his shiurim were printed on Nadarim. He has pages over there devoted to it, and also in Halicha Shleimah they printed a complete contrast about it. Fascinating thing and a fascinating thing to go through. Again, going through it, one could see what made him so unique. He's plugging in everything to plug in the sugya to make it ad halacha is struggling it. What interesting is many of the things he does not have good. He comes out he blives shver in many different areas. Okay, now getting closer to what we want to talk about. Um, as I, this is a topic that, it is, as I said, a crazy amount of ink has been spilled on it. What helped me, one is this Naftali Vider, he is an expert on tefillah, he wrote an article about it, two articles, which helped me. A friend of mine, Rabbi Elio Greenswag, who was one of the people that worked on and published most of, um, one of the main people involved behind the Oitzim Farshi Talmud, over the years he published volumes of Davidraham. Originally it was under, he didn't write his name because he was a very big honor, eventually he got out that it's him. So in David Raham, where David Raham has a passage about Kol Nidre, he has tons of Marmakaimis, Kedarkai from all different places, which are very, very valuable material. Another person who spent a lot of time in the city of Kol Nidre is a dear friend of mine, Yechiel Goldiver, who is an expert on Menhagim, amongst many other things. He put out two volumes of Menhagim Kihilis. Um, and in these volumes, he has three big chapters where he explored and tried to figure out the mysterious sources for the, the, the Tefillah of Kol Nidre. Another sefer is, which ha, which is a massive sefer. I mentioned uh, it's called Kol Nidre. It's mostly about Hilchas Nadarim. It just recently came out again at the end of Lafiyomi Learning Nadarim with more pages. The last sefer, just to mention, is it's Mayad Simcha from Refroind. He also um, has a lot of material um, um, that he discovered on the sugya of Ataris Nadarim and mostly about Kol Nidre. Um, okay, these are some of the sources, and this is the brief background of what we hope to do in the course of these two episodes. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so with that introduction, wow, thank you for that introduction about how we got together and how we keep on going with such amazing episodes. Wow, okay, bring me back. This is like a historical, historical. recollection. Right, exactly. That's the idea. I always like to say it was actually Professor Schneer Lyman that recommended you. I believe Nachi Weinstein also recommended we be in touch. And as they say, the rest is history. And it's very exciting to be able to present these presentations to the, to the world at large. Fine. So you gave us some background of where you're gathering your information. 
where do you want to start from? Maybe I could frame the question this way. Where is the first place in the Torah, whether it's Torah Shabbat which is not, Torah Shabbat Peh, that discusses Kol Nidre, and maybe one other point to discuss, I think, at the outset is Kol Nidre Torah Stadarim. Are those two separate discussions and how are they coming together in these two episodes that you titled them that would discuss both? Right, so basically um, like this. Everyone knows Yom Kippur begins. One of the different things that begins on the as the as the sun is setting, and everyone's getting in the mood, putting on their talis and the kittel, and either coming on time to say tefillah or not, which is its own issue. You're putting on your talis, and you're starting to get ready to say Kol Nidre. They start taking out the Sefer Torah. Just people stand next to the chazan. There's a special haunting nigan, as a lot of people like to say. And when does what? So question number one, which you're asking, is where is the earliest sources about that? So in the course of probably episode two, we're going to see the possible earliest sources for such a thing. There's another thing besides saying called Nidre, which you talk about the Nadarim and being matter Nadarim, Erev Hashanah, the males in Shul um, usually after davening get together in groups of three. And they say, um, um, again, three people sit down, one guy get, and a fourth person gets up, say, says a whole nusach, and he's being matter, his nadarim that he made that year. Sometimes some people do it for their wives also. And it's like a Besden format. So basically, nadarim plays a big role in the, in the, in, in the Rosh Hashanah and Kippur preparations, and that's what, we talk, that's what we hope to talk about. Somehow, I'm going to link that they're one and the same. That's, that's what we're going to do. It's going to come out from the conclusions of these episodes. Okay. Anyway, the tefillah begins. The first part of the tefillah begins. We say something like, What's going on here? What's this? Is this part of Kal Nidre even? So we turn right away, and this is the main source for us to start with, is a tour. The tour in Simon Tafresh tests. Um, what's this tefillah? Is it related to Kal Nidre even? So he says, basically, the night begins, and in Ashkenaz, they say this tefillah. He gives some sources to it based on a Gemara and Krisos. The Beis Yosef adds some other sources. And basically, we say... Um, 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 a Tajbet's Talmud of Rami Rittenberg is, this, is an early source for it. We say a tefillah to, because there's going to be people in the crowd that might be um, specifically that they, there's a gzair from the kihila against them, there might be a cherim against them, they're every of some sort, and we're, allow, we're, we're sort of forgiving them on some level and allowing them to become part of the, of the tzibur. Now, What's this, what's what's behind this? I'm not going to go into barichos. Just to mention one point is in the olden days, um, there was such a thing. You, the kihilo was able to put someone in cherem, and this is what it's referring to. There's there's books. There's, there's documented all this how it's, that was done throughout history. A shtetl had to have some power. The rav had some power. They technically could put someone who who dis, who didn't who didn't listen to the rav or whatever it was could be put in cherem. So this is something to do with that, but it's its own story. Um, anyway, this eventually becomes tied to Kal Nidre, which is our main story. Now, back to the tour, which is the starting point, which I'm going to be using for our springboard, is he brings a lengthy piece. Now, normally when you open up the tour, it's not so long. Um, all of a sudden over here, a huge piece over here where he brings down a piece where he's quoting his father, the Rush. Um, now, his father has even more of Arichos in Nadarim and in Yuma. And and it begins like this. The Torah says, you take out the Sefer Torah, the Shliach Tzibur holds it, and we say 
called Nidre. Okay, we say a Nusach that everyone's familiar with. Comes along, he brings down, Bekitzer, there's a Rabbeinu Tam, the Rabbeinu Tam set, makes, wants to suggest a different Nusach. He corrects the Nusach, so to speak, of what we say. Comes along the the Rush. This is all I'm quoting it briefly from the tour. The Rush bring um, the Rush says um, he he disagrees with Rabbeinu Tam, and then they bring down a Reb and um, then they talk about another question: When should you begin? You have to be careful that it should not um, it shouldn't be dark already, etc. And then they bring down a Reb and a Reb So he brings down three pieces of Gainim. The Reb does say that we um, just discusses the Nusach of what of how to say Kol Nidre. And if one looks at the Rav Nitzernoygain and the Rav Haigain, it sees we see that they're very anti saying Kol Nidre. Okay, and this is a shortened version of his father, the Rush, who talks about it in both Nadarim and in Yuma. So basically, what it seems if one looks over here is it's Rabbeinu Tam raises some issues. Okay, great. Now, what's interesting is as follows. Rabbeinu Tam, this Sefer is a piece in, found in Sefer Yashar, and all the Rishonim in the Sugis of Kal Nidre, when they're talking about saying it or not, and the exact Nusach, and what it is that we're saying, this is the, the starting point of the conversation, is the Shita of Rabbeinu Tam. But for centuries, it was only VI, secondary sources. Especially in the times of the Achreinim. The Achreinim, the only time, the first time the Sefer Yashar is published, we discussed in the Rechaim Kanievsky episodes, was in 1811. Even the Beis Yosef did not have the Sefer Yasher. How was the Beis Yosef, or most people relying on him? They're relying on the the Rush. The Rush seemed to have had the Sefer Yasher, but it turns out maybe the Rush didn't either have the Sefer Yasher. This, as we'll see shortly. Now, in order to appreciate what's happening over here, I feel that it's a little kedai to talk about Rabbeinu Tam a bit also, and we'll see what, what I'm doing, which is as follows. Rabbeinu Tam seems to be active from the years 1100 to 1171. Some people um, say he's born a little earlier. Anyway, much ink has been spilled about this famous region, one of the greatest Baliatosis, legendary um, a lot of articles have been written about him. I recommend the work from um, Professor Rami Reiner, recently published about Rabbeinu Tam, it's called Rabbeinu Tam Parshanut, um, um, put out, published by Bar Ilan University Press. He spent over 20 years working on this on Rabbeinu Tam, and it's very valuable. Anyway, he's very young when Rashi dies, so he did not really um, learn by Rashi. It seems to be that his Rabbeim, on some level, is his, his brother, the Rashbam, and his father. Rav David Deblitsky, who put out a beautiful edition of the Sefer Yasher, which helped me over here, he lists out. Um, that different people that had the Sefer Yashar manuscript, the Mashal Chida, who I'm fond of quoting, he seemed to have had a Sefer Yashar manuscript. But anyway, even in Svaran, um, they had some, Rishayim, at least in early on, had parts of the Sefer Yashar. Now, what was his goals when he wrote to Sefer Yashar? So he outlines them in the beginning of his uh, in his Hagdama to the Chiluk of Chedushim. The basically Sefer Yashar today is divided into two parts: Chedushim and Shuvis. And um, Shlomo Zalman Hevlin, in his book, one of his volumes of his book called Masaris Teresh Peh, has a whole chapter where he deals with all the different aspects of Rabbeinu Tam says, deals with in his introduction. Now, introduction is fascinating, um, and I'm just going to mention one point from the introduction and to get to our main story, which relates about more about Kal Nidre. Basically, it seems that he was upset. Um, people would make changes 
changes in the Gemara. And um, he held that you can't just make changes in the Gemara. At most, if you're making a change, make it on the side, so to speak. Don't change the text. You say, leave the text as is. It could be someone else will come to, um, to figure out shot later on. You could say your suggestion, leave it on the side. This is talking about a time of manuscripts. I spoke a little bit about this in the in the a draft we touched on this by also by Rebchaim Kanievsky. And now, specifically, he was not upset at Rashi per se, but right away Rashi made suggestions, and this was immediately accepted. But they changed the text right away. So if someone was in Rabbi Natan, who's who's born while Rashi still he's he's five years old around when Rashi dies. Already, the Gemara is getting updated immediately. It's like what some people complain about the internet. Sometimes you can see an article on the internet. Once it's checked, once it's fixed, there's no record of that. There was a mistake, even. Anyway, um, but this it, it's not the main point of a safer. It's one of the points in the safer which he felt, and he he deals with tons of sugius going through Rabbeinu Tam's unbelievable amkus. He's uh, famous for being very very in depth, um, using all areas of the of shas. Throw, using it to be mechalik, it, it's a whole discussion. Barichus, what is Rabbeinu Tam's mechalik? But it's all evident in the sugya of in in the Sefer Sefer Yashar, in the Chedushim Chelik, and in the sugya of Kol Nidre also. Now, what happens like this? Um, in 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 the sugya of Kol Nidre, he begins. He says like this: Kol Nidre d'aminim belel yon kipurim. He says Hagia Abba Meirizal miyoy makipurim ze ayoyim kipurim haba aleinu letayva. So he made a major change, but he, before anything, he says that who's this change coming from? My father, who's the son-in-law of Rashi. And his father was also some sort of Rebbe of his. That's also you have to follow up with Reiner. And they made this discussion. They made this, he made this change. Based on manuscript information, we're able to know that the Rivam and the Rashbam, they also accept this change. And the family, the, basically the Rabbeinu Tam family are into this change, which is switching the Nusach. The nusach is means say we're not being matter neder somehow of the nedarim that we made in this past year, but it's something for the future. Okay. Now, at first, when you think when you see this, um, and and now Rabbi Tam he ends up showing um, um, how is why he holds his father is very right in this, and he he deals with different aspects about the tefillah being medayik and different things. And as I said, we're not going to go into all the different aspects, but it's a it's a it's about two pages, fascinating to read, to learn, kedai um, to see inside before, uh, let's say before, um, especially in the Yom Kippur season, which we're not in the Yom Kippur season, but it's still kedai to see then. Anyway, what happens like this? There's a minig up till now to say there's a certain nusach comes along Rabbi Tam, his father really, and he's going against it. Now we already know. That Rabbeinu Tam sometimes um, um, the famous thing, the most famous example is Rashi Tefillin. We know that there's such a thing as Rashi Tefillin, Rabbeinu Tam Tefillin. So people ask, "What do you mean? There was Tefillin beforehand. We, how is it that Rabbeinu Tam comes along and does what he does?" Anyway, this is a whole discussion Rabbeinu Tam with Minhagim, and we'll possibly point out an akuda with this shortly. Anyway. Um, what comes out is that the tefillah of Kol Nidre, there's no mention in Rabbeinu Tam's whole discussion about Ga'inim being against Kol Nidre, which I alluded to from the B'Shem, the Tor and the Rush. It seems to be accepted. 
And if you look in Ashkenazic sources, even a little earlier, from the base Medrash of Rashi, right before him, Machzavitri, Likuti Pardis, they also bring down to say this tefillah, they would say it three times, okay. What happens is he's concerned with the Nusach, that's all. And he changes it. Now what's ironic is, with the introduction I began, is that Rabbeinu Tam was very anti-making changes. Over here, he's making a change. The answer is it's not a problem. He holds no problem to make a change as long as you retain the original Nusach beforehand so people in the next generation could come along. And that's what happened, basically. He made this change, but then all the different Rishayim for the next hundreds of years and Achreinim even also discuss, do I agree with Rabbeinu Tam or I don't agree with Rabbeinu Tam? Okay. Now, he does, what's interesting is he doesn't mention Ga'inim. Now, he knew Ga'inim. Reiner deals with this also. But over here, he doesn't deal with it. And also, I will try to suggest the reason behind it also. Okay. What's the Pshat? And the Pshat is, to me, this is what's going on over here, is if one learns Masechnas Nadarim, which many just finished, is in Dafchaf Gimel, Amid Aleph, Amid Beis, there's a Mishnah, which is very cryptic. And then right away, the Gemara says something to the effect, Chesuri Mechzer Vachitani. And it basically adds a whole thing which one would not have seen in the Gemara, in the Mishnah at all. And it says as follows. You don't want your Nadarim to be Niskayim. Stand up in Rosh Hashanah. Basically, you have to know what your Nadar was. But basically, when do you do this? On Rosh Hashanah. Now, so first of all, what's happening over here is there's often a Gemara. There's often a Gemara in Nadarim. For Rabbeinu Tam, it doesn't make a difference that Ga'ina might be against it. Here we see there's a Gemara. Not only that, what, what does it say in the Gemara? It says, Kol Nedeshani Asili So it seems like something to the effect that the, the Nusuch of his father has some makam. Okay. Anyway, we'll get back to this Gemara. But the point is, a Gemara in Rabbeinu Tam's world overrides everything. It overrides even Messiah of Ga'ina. Okay. Anyway, then Rabbeinu Tam continues, um, um, and he deals with different aspects of the tefillah. Okay, now let's go back, let, let's return back to the Rush, who I said the Torah brings him down very bekitzer. He says like this, the Rush says, The people before Rabbeinu Tam and his father's change. Now what's interesting is, the, Rabbeinu, the Rush does not, make a, does not make note that the person who suggests this change is who? The, the, is the father of Rabbeinu Tam. He doesn't even mention that. It's very possible he didn't know that because it's not clear what was his source for this for the Rabbeinu Tam sheet. Anyway, bottom line is, Rabbeinu Tam says, the original minig is right. We're talking about what was Al-Shana Sha'avra. And we're being matir because of the it's Nadarim that we had, that we did this year. We want to be matzal mina oinish. And we say it's shalish pa'amim. And we end off saying, Okay. And then, and then what happens is the Rush deals with the questions that Rabbeinu Tam um, raises to defend his, to prove his position. The Rush has some answers. Anyway, then, now, as I said, he doesn't bring down any Gainim, but the Rush does. The Rush brings down Rabsadi Gain, and from Rabsadi Gain, the late, late, the end of the Gainim period, he said, had a Nusach that the Shlich Tzibur would say, Kol Nidre, and he brings down a Nusach. Okay. But the rush does bring down, and this now just quoted more at length. Revner Ternoi said, We never heard of such a thing. This is what the rush says. Then he brings down from Rav Hai, also a similar type of thing. That we never heard of such a thing. But Lemaisa, what does the Rush say? He concludes that we do 
say it. We say this tefillah. I guess for him, the trump was, the end is, Rav Sadi Gain did bring it down. He's the Saifa Gain. Okay. And Lamaise, that's what the Torah says. Ukfar Pasha Aminu Bechal Makaymus Laimer. We say it. Okay. Interestingly enough, when you get in the, the I said the Rush has a Arichas about in Yuma and in Nadarm, in Nadarm, he doesn't even bring down the Gainim. Okay, fine. One issue which the Groth throws out when he deals in Bira Groth, when he deals with Rabbeinu Tam, is he says, How are we asking Mechil, how could you ask Slicha on a Venus that he didn't yet do? It, which is very strange in the Nusach. Okay. Anyway, bottom line is that there's some type of tefillah, although the Ga'inim were somewhat against it. We don't know how many Ga'inim are against it. Maybe it's only one or two Ga'inim. But bottom line is the Rush and the Tur and even Rabbeinu Tam, some form of a Nusach of Kol Nidre, the tefillah in Aramaic that we say should be said. Okay, fast forward. The Beis Yosef, what happens is, normally everyone's familiar, the Beis Yosef brings a lot of Rishayinim and stuff like that. You think he's going to bring different people about it. Instead, all, you, all we find by him is, is the Rosh, the Tor, he talks a little bit about it, and then he brings down that the Rivash says, the Rivash, which is very prominent for the Beis Yosef, says not to say it. But then the Beis Yosef concludes, and he doesn't elaborate more. But suddenly we see him sort of embracing an Ashkenazi minute which is, ba- he's basing on Rabbeinu Tam slash the Rosh and the Torah. Okay, so too we find the Shittin Gobetzes, the Ben Dairi of the Beis Yosef, in his work on the Dharm, Chav Gimel Amabez. He also says in, Svar- in Svarag, all of a sudden you find them, with the Sefer Torah, Kal Nidre, everything. Okay, great. What's rather strange about all this is, what's going on? Because the, base, the, the Minik Svarag, we're going to see, is not like that. Just to mention, as follows, very, very briefly, Lamashal the Ramban, one of the great Gedolei of Rishonim in a Chibur Mishpar Acherim, says Avada. He goes like the Goinim, Mamish not to say Kol Nidre, very sharful Rishonis. Now, but on the other hand, and and furthermore, the Beis Yosef should be concerned with the Goinim sources that the Rush and the Torah bring down, which I said are again saying it, but there's no mention of it. Looking later on, there's a Sefer Amanig, he brings down from Rav Amram Gain a, a, a thing that says Minig Shtusu Loimer Kol Okay. Now, amazing, in recent years, especially in the past 200 years, the world of Gainim has been incredible amounts of discoveries. I documented a little bit in the episodes of Rechaim. We see that the Gainim opposition, it's not just these two Shittas, that, these two Makairis that the Rush and the Tor bring down, but there's many, many Gainim from the beginning of Gainim, a period of four or five hundred years, are with sources that we have documenting against Mamish against Dominic. Not only that, it gets back to a discussion which we spoke about in learning of Nadarim of Dafyami, which was what? That they didn't learn the Sachnas Nadarim at Kedekach because they didn't want people to be mazalzal. They felt this as being mazalzal in the Kansu Nadarm. Anyway, Yechil Goldavu, I mentioned earlier, he collects all the Gainim documenting it. This is seven, six pages of Makairis on it. Okay. We go to a place like Provence, the Meiri, also against it. We have a Ralbag, which interestingly enough, also from Provence, more famous people know him as a Parshan of Tanakh. He also was a tremendous Bal Halacha, a great Tamachacha. We also have a Chuva from him against it. Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Martcha Kimchi, also from Provence. He also has a beautiful Chuva, also printed from manuscript in the Hebrew Mayur and other places. Also, very, very against it, showing that there's a whole Messiah, not only the Ramban, the Talmud and the Ramban, the Raj, the Ritva, they're all against it. And they know about the Sefer Yasha from Rabbeinu Tam also. Anyway, Lamashal, um, this Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Kimchi, a friend of mine, Pinchas Roth, and his doctorate on Provence, also deals with that length. But anyway, the point is, what's going on is very strange. How does this happen that when you get to, by the time you get to the base Yosef, it's like 
forget about the, the there's no mention of the Gainim. Not of the Gainim. The Gainim is one thing, but the Rishayim, such as the Ramban school, which is, plays a prominent role, the also point people point out the Ramam doesn't bring down this meaning. So it seems the Ramam also didn't say it. The Rift doesn't bring it down. Anyway, somehow it gets to the Beis Yosef. Uh, the Beis Yosef switches over and he's like Ashkenaz. Again, did I miss? You said the Ramban, Rajber, Ritva. You quoted those from somewhere, or those are in the Rishonim themselves, or brought down from other secondary sources? No. They, so the Ramban, I quoted a Mishpat Acherim that he, he talks about. But the Rajba, the Ritva, they talk about it in their in their Chedushim Anadarim and other places. And there's a, there's a long documentation of, what I'm trying to say is there's a long documentation of Svarad, mainstream Rishonim, that normally the Beis Yosef would know about, would hear about. He doesn't even mention it. All he mentions is one line, that the Rivash, it's like, now, Ga'inim, Okay, so he might not have had all the Gainim to know that it was a 500-year Messiah not to say it, but the Rishayim, he should know. Okay. Anyway, now, just a few more Pratim um, to conclude, to deal with this episode is as follows. Basically, we after you have the Beis Yosef, we go on to the Ramah. Once you get to the Ramah, the Ramah just, it seems clearly Ramah is into saying it. He brings a few pieces of the Maril and Rabbi Zikterna relating to this, which he does throughout his Chibur and Archaim, especially in Hilchas Yom Naram. He adds tons of pieces from the Maril and the Rabbi Zikterna. Sometimes he argues on them, but he brings them down. Interestingly enough, when he's talking about the Tefillah of Kol Nidre, he throws in, in Darke Maisha, the following. He says, there's a Maril. Which many people have heard. It says, "Alishana Adam Iminig Ha'ir Afil Benigulim Alishana Iminhage Ha'ir V'Chein Maslichas Shaimim Sham." Don't change Nigunim that that or the Minhagim of your city. Now this is a Rama. The Rama brings down this Maril, and then you find the Rama in Shulchan Aruch says he brings it down again after talking about. Now the question is, what's going on over here? All of a sudden, the Rama tells me this this Maril Dafkin Kol Nidre. The answer is Rama knew Kol Nidre. There's a story behind it. But there's a minig. Don't chepa with minhagim. What's interesting is that this makar of the maril, when you look inside the maril, there's a much greater story. And that story was that he was about tefillah all the years. It seems he changed some type of tefillah and a child of his died. So he attributed the death of his child because he's Mashana the Minig. It means, say, the power of Minig, which anyone who knows anything about the Maril, and then the Ramal got this from this Hebrew, the power of the Minig wins anyway. And that's what the Ramal is trying to show, even though, yes, there's the Sefer Yashar versus the Rabbeinu, Ta- of Rabbeinu Tam with the Rosh and the Tur. The bottom line is you say, Konoje. We want to handle what Nusach, that's one thing. But Ga'inim, we, it's not even in the it's not even in the discussion in the Dark Yemaisha and and not only that and that's why he specifically over here it seems that's why he's talking about it anyway um, fast forward um, after we have the Dark Yemaisha he he brings up one issue why is it that there's three people why are there people surrounding him what's the what's the story behind when the when the shots are saying called Nidre why are there people next to him and the Dark Yemaisha deals with that he gives some suggestions anyway fast forward his Talmud de Lavush de Lavush deals with various aspects at length he shows that there's various the Nuschais, which are Aramaic, he says, because it's Aramaic, they didn't know, and mistakes crept in, and he has all different Shinuyim, but Lamaisa, interestingly enough, he doesn't quote that Maril, that B'Shem the Ramah, which was said, don't chap with the Minhag, with the Lashinus. And if you look later on, um, um, one before, um, we're going to see that there's others that specifically say that. Anyway, now, I just want to highlight here to conclude this episode with uh, one last prat, which is the Bach. A lot of times when you learn Shulchan Aruch, so you're overwhelmed with the Yeda and the Makairis that the Beis Yosef throws at you. 
Over here, it's very interesting that it's underwhelming, the, to put it mildly, the Makairis the Beis Yosef says he deals with the rush, he deals with Rabbeinu Tam, very, very Bekitzer, and he brings you a Rivash pretty much in one of the Maramakam. Over here in this sugya, I tell you, if you learn Tor Beis Yosef a lot, you'll see the Tor is usually very few lines. Here it's a huge, it's a relatively very big Arichas. Here the Bach, here you can see one of the places, a great sample to see the greatness of the Bach. He first talks about the Tefillah of Kalar Vayanim. He brings down the Tzedel Adarech, Herb Isaac, Tirnan, Amaril. Then he talks about the Shailah of wearing a talus. He brings down a bunch of Makairis for that. He starts handling with Rabbeinu Tam. With Rabbeinu Tam, he deals with the Girsois. He handles, he brings a Smag, Hagois Maimni. He brings even a Mizrahi Ala Taira. A Tajbitz, or Isaac Tirna. He has other issues with it. He knew about the Ramban's base, base madrash of the Mishpah Chayim. He has other issues that he talks about. He brings a Shibali Aleket, which also talks about, which we'll also see eventually. He deals with the Rivash. He has other aspects from the Maril. He deals with the Nusach. He argues with sharply against the Levush, who was Mashana. He says not to be Mashana. And he concludes with bringing a, a nice piece from the Avodraham. All this is of a few pages, which you see here. He's bringing a ton, and this is a way to appreciate the greatness of the Chibur Bach and to focus on it. So here we see sometimes the Beis Yosef, whatever Cheshben over here, did not have what to say or didn't want to have what to say, so he doesn't say much. Fast forward, we have the Magen Avram and the Taz. Also, the Taz has a beautiful, a few valuable pieces of information. Magen Avram has less, but they both say not to chepa with the Nusach also. I um, believe that it also has to do with this Nakuda that I'm mentioning with from the Ramah. Don't chepa with the Minig, which is all based on the Maril. Anyway, Rabbi Yaakov Emden originally wants to ch- change it. He says that the people d- didn't know Aramaic so well, similar to Lavush, but Lamaisi says, leave it. And um, um, and that's that. And Mir Tzashem, that's, the, that's part one. This is just a, mamish, a tiny smorgasbord, very shitchius, very superficial. Some of the Makairis out there in mainstream sources about the, um, in Simon Tough Ratio tests, about Kol Hashem, the next episode will try to discuss a little bit more what's, where did this come from? Okay, so thank you very much for this episode. Um, will you also discuss next episode, why is it that the Beis Yosef uncharacteristically did not um, discuss all those Rishayinim and the Bach on the opposite extreme did discuss more I- than usual? No, Bach is not necessarily more than usual. It's just over here you could see the greatness of the Bach. Sometimes the Bach could add a lot, even when the Beis Yosef does add a lot. But over here, it's I don't have an answer why the Beis Yosef over here is very quiet. He's very quiet, uncharacteristically. It's vitally in the mystery of of the origins of Kol Ninjari. That's what I think. As we'll see. Very good. Thank you very much. End of part one. Looking forward to part two. Thank you.